Dear God, thank you for this uh, beautiful morning, Lord, and uh, for your great grace and mercy toward us, uh, Lord, for uh, enabling us and calling us together uh, under your word and in your word, Lord, I pray that you would guide and direct our words and thinking uh, as we study your word this morning, Lord, that we would understand you correctly, um, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would enable that, uh, that enable us to understand you uh, correctly and your word correctly. And uh, Lord, enable us and motivate us to obey you uh, and pursue the callings that we hear from you in your word. I just pray that you would be with us and guide and direct. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, right, so uh, this is your somewhat caffeinated um, class on regeneration. Regeneration. It's kind of like a sample of regeneration before and after coffee every morning. So we've been studying regeneration for several weeks, and uh, we've touched on a lot of topics, uh, like what is it? What do I mean? I mean, what do we mean by that word when we use it as a as a term, more than just an English word? But you know, capturing that English word and saying here's what it, it means in our circles, or uh, in this case, uh, a biblical principle, doctrine, what we mean by it. And uh, well, let's just stop right there. Anyone want to volunteer to remind us, like, what we mean by regeneration? Go ahead. The process of God taking our heart of stone and turning it into heart of flesh. Everybody hear that? Every, uh, the process of God t- 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 replacing our heart of stone, which we're living with, created with, born with, and replacing it with a heart of flesh. So something cold and unresponsive, dead, fossilized, with something that works. With something that's alive, alive to God. Alive uh, in a completely different way than we were before regeneration. Brendan? Already a question. Already a question. Sorry. Uh, might, this might be semantics. But yeah. You said it's something that um, we are both born with and created with. Is it is it that, or is it also, and I'm, I'm not trying to point anything. Is it that, or is it that God creates us with this heart of flesh, but we're born with a heart of stone? That makes sense. Like okay, well, we have us. We have our, it's, I believe this, obviously we have, we're born with a heart of flesh. All right, it's pumping, it's working. But spiritually, we're dead. So our spiritual heart is stone. Okay, good, good, good clarification. Anybody else here know Ed? Good to see you, Ed Scott. All right. Time uh, for the morning, Yeah, good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Where did you slip in? Yeah, well, he can't sneak in anywhere. He has to duck to get under the door. All right, an old friend. Uh, and we've studied why we need it. Right, we studied why we need re- regeneration. We spent some time on that. You know, just how dead we are because of sin. And we're going to touch on that a little uh, as one of our kickoff points this morning. So just how dead we are because of sin. Just how much we need regeneration. Just how much of a non-option it is for us to have a relationship with God. 
So uh, uh, <clears throat> we've studied why we need. I already said that because of sin. All right, our our forefathers, our our founding father Adam sinned, and uh, our own sin. Um, <clears throat> and uh, how we've studied how big a change it is in us, like just how different we are after regeneration compared to before generation, regeneration. So we've, we've talked a lot about regeneration. And we're gonna, uh, <clears throat> we have a few more sessions on regeneration. And these next few sessions, uh, I think there's two or three kind of in a row here that are going to uh, be in the area of how regeneration fits in to God's process for saving people. Okay, so we've said regeneration is necessary for salvation. So even saying it that way makes it sound like there must be other things that are necessary or subsequent steps that are necessary. And uh, so there's a Latin term, which I'm not going to pronounce correctly. I'll look to somebody to pronounce it correctly for me. Or odorous salutationus. How's it said, really? Ordos salutis. Ordos salutis. That's, so come next week for the decoding of that. And uh, that's Latin. I'm pretty sure that's Latin. And uh, <clears throat> so, uh, uh, so there is a, a doctrine or a study of that. And that, I think, is part of the, the topic of next week. And, and uh, a, a little bit of expansion on that, uh, I think, even coming after that. But I, I want to talk really about uh, regeneration itself, the step one, and uh, as, as, uh, as how it fits in with, uh, with its immediate uh, context. So, um, we've already said this, I'm going to ask it anyway. What is the natural state of mankind, the state of each of us before God regenerates us, before we are born of the Spirit? What's our natural state? Dead. Dead. We're dead. We're dead. And, uh, uh, the Bible elaborates on this deadness, although I think thinking of ourselves as dead is, if you just elaborate on that which we have, uh, it's pretty illustri- illustrative. Um, you know, like preaching to a dead person. Not, they're not going to walk the aisle if they're dead. Okay, so we've talked along those lines. I would like us to read Romans 8-7. Let's look at Romans 8-7. Who can read Romans 8, 7? For the mind that is set on the the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. All right. So at least uh, when we're thinking about a dead person, they're not mad at us. They're not hostile. They're kind of impassive. But we're kind of deader than that, right? We're, we are not just dead spiritually. We're hostile uh, <clears throat> in our natural <coughs> state. And Colossians 
although you were formerly alienated and hostile in many... Sorry, I've written over it. <laughs> it's mine, it's mine. Hostile in mind. And evil uh, deeds. Do and evil deeds. Uh, <clears throat> now, hey, this verse, by the way, goes on to give the gospel. That's pretty, it basically starts with this gospel in a nutshell, it's a gospel in a nutshell, little passage there, paragraph. But it starts with what we were like. We were. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Um, so, I'm just going to read this gospel. He, and though you were once that way, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, that's God, if indeed you continue in the faith. So, brought to life by God. Okay, just, a, just didn't, couldn't pass up that gospel. Uh, Romans one eighteen. Back to Romans. Romans one eighteen. I'll read it. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So this is also getting back to to you know it's we're, we're not impassively. We're dead. We're sort of actively against God's truth. We're, we, we, in fact, when we hear it, we want to shut it down. We don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that. We, we cover our ears. We suppress the truth. We make up alternate truths and make them louder in our, in our natural state. And of course, we've read Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 many times, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we almost all once lived, in the passions of our flesh. This is Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So, Children of wrath, uh, angry, angry. Uh, All right, against God. So, and you know, what's the next, after that verse, it's, that's the, I think the next is the but God. Yeah, all right. Um, Second, or 1 Corinthians 2.14, let's look at that. 1 Corinthians 2.14. This will get us started. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. Who can read that? Go. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but in himself to be judged by no one, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him that we have the mind of Christ. Oh, so here again we have a before and after, uh, before regeneration and salvation. But I want to focus in on that natural person does not accept the, th- the things of the Spirit of God. They're folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. 
So all of this business about us being unable to help ourselves is very unpopular with our flesh. All right, so very, which we all still live in with. So I think if you're like me, when you read things like this, your flesh is like, wants to raise doubts. Wants to raise doubts. Okay? And let alone out there in the free world, before we were saved, there's no doubts. This is offensive. Right? We, we, of course, can help ourselves. That's what we're here for. That's our, that's, that's what being human's all about, is taking care of ourselves. That's why God created us, with the ability to take care of ourselves. So I'm just making up stuff that isn't quite true. It sounds great. But our, that's, what, that's our fleshly position on this, right? That's, where our, that's, our, that's our position. And, and so we try to come up, the human beings in the course of history have repeatedly and always and still do every day. And like I said, just sign comes in our own mind before we've had our coffee. We might make up some of this stuff. We might say, no, no, no. Um, people are basically good. There's a theological term for this. Um, this belief, it's a heresy. If you, if you say it's theologically true, it jumps from being obviously wrong by rational consideration <laughs> to being heresy, right? People are basically good. And, you know, we make mistakes. We don't understand our self-interest when we're immature, but we can learn. And, uh, and we do, don't we, kids? We behave. We don't throw ourselves on the floor in the grocery store and scream if we don't get what we want anymore. Once we're not a child, well, maybe <laughs> there's anyone there who's making those choices for us, right? So we we I mean, humans can get better, but uh, we're not basically good in the eyes of God. Right, we're, we're, we're not, but uh, that's a popular view. We can reform ourselves and do better and be better than most people and be better than Hitler, and therefore God will honor that, and we're good with God. And that's the, that's the world religion, I think, by and large. By and large. Right, so uh, what's another popular one? Now, this, the, you know, that's a world religion. Pagans, you know, you don't have to even acknowledge God to have that philosophy. Uh, if you think there is a God, then you might go into something more like, well, uh, we're born fallen. We have to admit that. We're, we're born fallen. We, we see that. We read that in the Bible. Um, uh, but we must have the power to seek after God. We must have the power to decide that we want God. And uh, we just must have that. We God can't ask us to do something that we're not able to do. That wouldn't be fair. Then God wouldn't be just. So we must have that capability. And uh, <clears throat> so we're saying we are sovereign over our salvation. Oh, now when I reword it like that, it sounds a little nuts. Because God is so sovereign is sovereign, right? If, if God is sovereign, then what that means he's sovereign over everything. If we say, well, he's sovereign over everything except for my salvation. Okay, now we're, we've stirred up a lot of problems in, uh, in, in Scripture. 
and we've stirred up a lot of problems in the you know in in our view of God. And that I think that's one of the we, we use the phrase around here. A lot of people use this phrase, a high view of God. And I think one of the elements of this high view of God is just that: is God really sovereign or not? Is He really sovereign or not? And we don't like that He's sovereign. We all got to admit we don't. Our flesh doesn't like. Now, once we believe and we know who God is and we're God's children, we're extremely thankful that he is sovereign. (laughs) And we learn that. We mostly learn that as we grow in Christ. We more and more believe and, you know, kind of appreciate the sovereignty of God and everything it means. But the, 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 the tension between that and our human responsibility for our sin is permanent, right? Those two things don't come together well on our level of understanding. Yet the Bible teaches both of them. So we're responsible, but God is sovereign. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, uh, yeah, only God is sovereign in everything, you know, but God in Ephesians 2. We're just scrambling around until he reaches down and does something about it. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> so regeneration is not, and we've already touched on this. I know this is repetition, but regeneration is not us figuring something out, and it's not uh, it's not us being persuaded by uh, convincing appeal. But that is how it feels at the time, isn't it? For, for many of us, we realize that we're hearing something that we believe. Or someone says something and then asks us, like Jesus asked Mary, or was it Mary? Mm-hmm. Do you believe this? Martha. Thank you. Do you believe this? Okay, so... Uh, it, so we real, there is a moment, uh, when we realize we believe, maybe it's just, we, not even a moment, but we just, someone asks us if we really believe something and then we realize, yeah, no, I've believed that for a while. Yeah, that's true. I believe that. I don't remember when I started believing that, but I, I believe it. Okay. So we, uh, we have a belief, uh, <clears throat> and, um, but we know from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that it did not start with us. The wind blows where it wills, Jesus said, so it is with the Spirit of God. It did not start with us. Um, so, um, wow. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? No, he's talking to Christians, Corinthian Christians, who are a lot like us, so that we know this is a temptation for us to somehow, knowing everything we've just all talked about, knowing it, that it's not from us, and it's not because of something we did, and it's not because we're special. But we just, our flesh is really tempted to think that way all the time. So it's good for us to remind each other that it's all our salvation is God's grace toward us, not anything special about us. Okay, it wasn't like, 
you know, there's something about you before you were saved that attracted God to you. No, he loved you despite everything about you. (laughs) All right, so... uh, Lest any man should boast. All right, so, and then... Uh, here's one. I'm going to read this one too because I want you to listen to the, for a theme. I want you to listen to a theme here in this in these verses in this, this these verses in First Corinthians one twenty six through thirty one. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that as it is written that the one who boasts boast in the Lord so what was the theme I might be wishing you would notice in there theme words I should have had everybody read along in their Bibles (laughs) I was thinking of God chose. I should have shouted it every time I said it because I forgot people weren't reading along with me. And I've got it in bold on my notes. All right, so God chose, God chose, God chose. He chose what's foolish, that's us. He chose what is uh, not wise, that's us, even by worldly standards, right? Occasionally there's somebody who's wise. You know, he might reach out at a fully full-grown C.S. Lewis and save him, right? So there's somebody maybe wise in the world. Although maybe people didn't think he was so wise by the world's standards, especially when he started believing. So uh, <clears throat> low and despised in the world. God chose it's because of him. So our salvation starts with regeneration. The Holy Spirit makes us a new creation raises us from the dead by the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Replaced our heart of stone with the heart of flesh. Gives us faith, the gift of God. It's the gift of God, not of ourselves, to, to believe in Christ as our Savior so that now we believe. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and enables us to repent, to see that our sin is now out of place and not who we are anymore. Our will is changed. What we want is changed. But I want to back up a minute. So now we're officially starting at 20 tell. <laughs> ah, okay. <clears throat> it seems like there's another piece then, right then, right then. When a baby is born, there must be something else that's happening. When a baby's born, uh, there needs to be air. Some of us have been there when a baby's born and they shake the baby. They used to hold it upside down and whack its bottom to get it started, what? Crying. Crying, breathing, breathing. The, the, the baby's been having a good time, but he hasn't had to get his own oxygen. 
right? Hasn't had to use the lungs. So, uh, it, now, if there was no air, this would not get very far. So, we're, the baby's being brought to life, but it needs air. So, what is it we need right then when we're being brought to life? All right, what is it that we need? Uh, we need, we need, how do we know when we're coming to life that it's Jesus that we're believing in? That it's the gospel that we're believing. So let's look. James 1.18. James 1.18. James is hard to find. It's so small. One eighteen. Here it is, finally. All right, who can read that? He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. Wow, this is just all over the Bible. This God choosing thing. <laughs> there it is again. Okay, He chose to give us birth. Uh, he brought us forth. That's that birth idea, by the word of truth. By the word of truth. And then in 1 Peter, another hard-to-find book, 1 Peter 1, I think it's just to the right here, yep. 1 Peter 1, 23. <clears throat> Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Okay. So, we don't have time. That verse and the verses around it, if we just, blew, you know, zoomed out a tiny bit, holes, like a whole sermon in there, again, the gospel, all right, because it's, it's talking about <clears throat> before and after, and it says this, the perishable seed, that's your normal human birth, but imperishable, that's born of the Spirit. Okay, that's enough of expansion on that. Just want to notice the Word of God is right in there. The abiding Word of God. I like that it says abiding, which means it's like permanently sitting there being true. Like permanently there being true. The Word of God, from eternity past to eternity future, the Word of God sits there being true, right? And so it's there when we're getting born of imperishable seed, just like that. So uh, I, I can't remember this preacher's name to give him adequate credit. I've never heard of him anyway. But some old Scottish preacher said, when, when God breathes life into us, he breathes it in through our ears. I wish I could say that with a Scottish accent. <laughs> I won't try it, sorry. <clears throat> it never works. I just keep wishing it would. So the Spirit of the Spirit uses the Word of God, the Scriptures, to bring us what we need to believe, to bring that to us. The ordinary way this comes together. There's might be there are some other ways, 
And actually, in a couple of classes down the line, we'll, we'll touch on some another way this can happen. The ordinary way this can happen is uh, the Spirit's work of regeneration is happening or happens while the gospel is being preached, while we're hearing the gospel. The Holy Spirit is doing that thing, pulling the old heart out that day. That's your day. Okay? That's an ordinary way it happens. Or it's being explained by a friend. Or uh, in person. Or on the radio. Or on television even. All right? It could be... But the, the, the gospel... The sound of the gospel, the words of the truth of the gospel, God's word is coming into our head and the Holy Spirit is like turning on the new heart that can hear it. Okay, so that word, the gospel, uh, or the, the Spirit prompts a memory. I've heard many people say that this is how it happened to them. They remembered the gospel. They were they 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 something made them start praying to God. Some usually some kind of bad circumstance, and they remember there is a God. What makes them think of that? Okay, this this is this this the Holy Spirit is this was this person's day. Okay, so they remember their friend's explanation of the gospel. The Holy Spirit brings that back to the front of their head. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they, you know, you hear these stories. They're in a hotel room, and they know there's Bible. There's a Bible. It's a hotel room. There's a Bible in here for some reason. And the Bible in the front of it. It's got places to look. John 3. Something, somebody, sometime, somewhere, right then or in the past, has put the gospel in front of that person. And this is you or me when it was our day, if it happened on a day that we can remember. All right? The gospel was in, was there for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah. People have those, people hand people those copies of the Gospel of John. Um, people hand people tracts. You ever been handed a tract? I found tracts on the toilet paper dispenser in the airport restroom. <clears throat> so there are a lot of ways that the gospel might be right there to be the explanation of what to believe when the, the Holy Spirit is saying, yep, and now it's time for you to believe this. Now you, you're being given the ability to believe this. And, and of course, the Holy Spirit, we would say, orchestrated the whole thing. Okay. Right. This is kind of his business. His, his day job, right, is to bring this stuff together to that person who's going to believe. 
Uh, <clears throat> so I want to I want to ask a question. Uh, uh, what about what, what? Okay, now I just I mentioned a lot of stuff there. What about the church? What about us? What about the body of Christ? What about us believers? How do we fit into that process, this first step of the process? How do we fit into that? We're the means by which God uses to bring that gospel to the people that are going to hear and be regenerated. The means. We uh, equip the saints for the work of ministry. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we arrange a place where the gospel would be preached every Sunday, if not more frequently. What's some, what's some, uh, what, what's some other things the church does as this means? What are some examples of things the church, the, 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 the greater church, universal church, the body of Christ on this earth, local churches? What are other ways that God uses those folks financing um, missionaries sending missionaries sending missionaries yeah yeah establishing a preacher in a church that couldn't afford its own preacher out there in the in the country somewhere around the world right other ways huh not they are maybe come on to individual members of the church each of their own things the church is equipping the saints with is that understanding and the, 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 everything it takes for each of us individually uh, to be ready and to see and to be wise and to see the spirit at work in another person who we probably know and of course we say this around here a lot we don't assume we wouldn't assume just because someone's dressed right or whatever that they go to a church that that they really believe the gospel. They might be believing that they're just like one of those alternate beliefs I said earlier. They're very popular and widespread, those alternate beliefs. So, uh, yeah, we're going to read a verse about that one. We uh, Did we mention getting the Bible into pe- people's hands, uh, translating the Bible... I wrote down living in a way that makes people curious about Jesus. That would be a little odd. Otherwise, you just look like you're blending in to that universal religion that we mentioned earlier. Uh, Oh. Must be on page three, and it's about time. Let's let's look at First Peter three thirteen through seventeen. First Peter three. Oh, we're already right there. First Peter three, 
13 through 17. Who can read that one? to harm you if you are zealous for what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Thank you. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So that's what Phoebe was just talking about. So who's going to ask you that kind of question, right? Who is, it's exactly what Phoebe described. Who is going to ask you that kind of question? Somebody who knows you pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> somebody who knows, most of the time, that's the usual case. Is that's going to be somebody who knows you pretty well, and you know them pretty well, because they're uncomfortable asking you some kind of question, a personal question like that. And they would also have to have a reason. And this you know, this thing basically, uh, Peter here's a, assuming that they'll have a reason. You're, in, in fact, he's talking to people who are getting persecuted because it was obviously it was obvious they believed something different than everybody else, and people and they were in adverse circumstances. So people were trying to cast shade on them and make them somehow attribute bad motives to them. But it's all <coughs> driven by I don't want to hear it, right? And yet, apparently, what would sometimes happen is just like Nicodemus went to Jesus in the nighttime, somebody would go to a, a person and say, what is, what is going, what's going on with what? Why are you like this? All right, so he's advising everybody to anticipate that and be ready to explain that, all right? So no, although I know we, we one time we did that gospel saturated lesson, all those passages about the gospel. We just read several of them today, just trying to get to certain points. And boy, if we just you know the rest of the verse was basically the whole gospel. So over and over in there. So we can be prepared. Uh, there's one other verse to read uh, that I want to read on this uh, <clears throat> Romans 10. Oh, before I leave that one. I did say we might have to be a little bit odd by, like we might have to not quite blend in in order for anybody to ever ask us that question, right? And in First Peter here, he's encouraging us not to be afraid of that. Like it's, you're, this is something that some people might you know, they don't even ask you, they just mistreat you, right? And, that, and some of his readers and some, you know, including us, may experience, you know, negative consequences for being believers somehow. And he said, don't be afraid of that. It's, it's a good sign, actually, because it means you're looking different. 
Okay, this means it means you're not quite blending in at least. Right. <clears throat> so uh, another passage is Romans 10, 13 through 17. Romans is easier to find, it's a bigger book. 13 through 17. <clears throat> who would like to read that? Go ahead. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So <laughs> faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. That could have been our theme passage for this lesson, right? hearing through the word of Christ. So, <clears throat> it's, it's in there again. You know, how can they call it? That, that thing, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, That's I looked that up, that's in Joel. That's a minor prophet predicting the future, right? Giving us the word of God about the future. And, uh, <clears throat> but how are they going to hear? If I mean, they can't call on somebody they never heard of. And how are they going to hear of somebody if someone never tells them about? Right? The whole sequence. And so, like we said before, sending people out to preach the word, making that happen, doing our part in that happening, whatever our part in making that happen might be, is uh, critical. And, and Paul, here's up, it's personal for him. You know, he was being sent. His, his you know, people were, were sending him. And he was sending people, right? He organized sending people. And he organized leaving people behind to preach the gospel in places where, where he'd gotten it started. I mean, he, was, he was, knew what he was talking about. And uh, <clears throat> so, and oh, and one other thing about, this, he's talking about missionaries, but... Uh, <clears throat> But I think it applies to any person who explains to another person the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Uh, <clears throat> so, so we don't know uh, I want to back up and touch on one other thing. It's today's lesson. Unfortunately, it's it's on a different page. I just have to find it. So, change my order. <clears throat> ah, there it is. Well, so we spent a lot of time talking about how we're dead. People are dead, and it's the Holy Spirit's work to regenerate them so that and make and enable them to believe and make sure the gospel's there for them to believe. So a temptation that can come into our heads <coughs> is well, this sovereign God 
is going to make this happen. So, I can just watch. I mean, I don't... In fact, I might even be implying I don't trust him if I try to help him along. <laughs> but that, that's a real temptation. And our flesh, let alone... I mean, if you believe one of those alternate beliefs, ye. Okay, so you could, uh, so our flesh is going to say, no need, easy, you're not quite ready, you don't feel ready today, you haven't had enough coffee, whatever our flesh can think up to try. And we also have the devil, unfortunately, who has access to our thoughts, who has that, who can, you know, he can't be everywhere at once. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it, we don't need his help to have this temptation. That's one of the reasons he can get away without having to be everywhere at once. Because most of the time, we're doing his work for him, right? Our flesh is doing his work for him. So, uh, we would be tempted to, I'll mention that later. I'll mention that later. This looks like a possible opportunity. That's why we're sweating it right then, right? Because we've because the Holy Spirit's pointed out an opportunity, and we're like, I'm too busy right now. That's a long conversation. I got it. I got to get milk. Okay. So our flesh is standing by to interfere with this. And, and, to, and one of the things it would be like, don't worry, if they're going to be saved, God will save them. I've learned that. Uh, but that's, <clears throat> that's not our calling, is it? That's us seeing if we can do a little God's job. And t- or we could say that person believes very strongly in a different religion. <laughs> that person, I know that person believes very strongly in a different religion. I don't want to have an argument. That's not going anywhere. And what's the likelihood anyway? Whoops. What's the likelihood anyway? Well, we don't know. We're just assuming something that is really in God's hands. Right. So, uh, so we might have that temptation, but really we just read that God has taken that out of our hands and saying, we need to always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks us for a reason. Right, so that that that's, and right then he says, "Have no." He says, "Have no fear of them." Fear, and it's not our responsibility. It doesn't reflect on us. This does it. It feels like it does. But this is God's responsibility, and he, uh, what He's asked us to do is share that gospel. Or do whatever else our part might be in getting the gospel shared. Get it shared. All right? So not everybody is going to hold crusades in Nissan Stadium. Okay? Some people get called to do that. But actually very few. Some people get called to preach it every Sunday morning. What a privilege. How beautiful are their feet. Okay? But most of us don't get those two assignments. Right? We get something that's 
part of it though. We get something that's part of, we, we probably all have a part in making it happen that it gets preached here every Sunday, all right? And we don't know who's gonna be here to listen. And uh, <clears throat> so now I've completely lost my place in my notes and it's we're about time. But I know I had a way of wrapping this up. <laughs> uh, so what all can we do? It's in God's hands. But he has told us to be the ones presenting the gospel, doing our part, whatever our assigned part by him is, to see that that gospel is getting presented everywhere it can possibly get presented. Right, so so what are some things we can do? Right? What's one thing we can all do for sure and are called to do? Pray. 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 So the number one, our number one calling is to pray for the lost. This may, I'm going to say that I think this may be true. I think there's evidence this is true. Everyone in this room who believes the gospel of Christ, it is a result of someone praying. You might even be able to think back over the list of usual suspects who it was that was probably praying for you to be saved. I think I know, in my case. So we're all called to do that. And God says, that's one of the ways this happens. So we're all called to pray for the lost. And the other, and, 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 and for who he puts on our hearts, God, who should I pray for to be saved? We can start the prayer with that. He's going to bring people to your mind. And that's a really good sign. Anyone he brings to your mind, this neighbor who you think might be asking you that question, if they come to your mind when you ask God who you should pray for to be saved, write that down. Okay, and pray. Because that's one of the way God works, right? And he has called us to do that. And there is, how much risk is there in that? <laughs> Zero risk. You have, to, you have to dig a little to get the risk in that. Oh, but I would be the logical person. Have no fear, right? Have no fear. So, and we can pray also for his help and power and wisdom to understand and do whatever else he's calling us to do beyond praying to get that gospel out there, Right? I mean, whatever, there's all kinds of ways, right, that we could participate in getting that gospel out there. Having us be ready in case we are the person that gets asked, okay? Uh, sending those missionaries, teaching a Sunday school class full of children. Here you got children of believers at this church. They are very often on, on the list, right? And so, if you're ministering to children, you are on the front line of this. And with the wisdom and knowing how, <clears throat> knowing how and when and what to say, that all comes from God, not from you. Pray for that. 
And pray for the people that are talking to our children here at this church and at every church with the gospel. I I hope I didn't say we can do this. These are opportunities. Because actually God says we must do this. These are all commands. We must pray for this. We must look for the ways that we can help. They're, They're not optional things that, you know, you might have some gift that, well, you might have a gift that puts you on one of these, you know, core tracks where you're just doing this all the time. I mean, we know, we've met, each of us probably met a person who all they do for a living is preach the gospel. But most of us aren't doing that. We're just a part of it, right? We're a part of it. When I say just a part, but we're the part God's assigned us to be. So it's not just a part. It is a, a, it's like in my watch, if all the parts don't work, if any one part doesn't work, no time. Right. God's arranged us to get his gospel out. So what's our part? He's got, sh- and, and we don't do it in our own strength. We, what we're asking him to do, we're asking him to use us. We're asking him to, to, to make it work for us, to help, help us do it, help us understand it and do it. Trust him. Uh, <clears throat> they're out there, Acts 18, 9 through 10. You know, most of the time when we do it, on that particular day, we might not hear of any results. We might not know of any results. You could, you, we've heard of missionaries who preached in some corner of the world for their entire adult lives and not sure anybody got saved. Okay, but uh, if you look at uh, Acts 18, nine, oh, we are so late. We've got to wrap up. I'm going to just read this to you. Then we're going to pray. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, guess where he was? Corinth. And it wasn't going that well. <clears throat> the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do you not be afraid, but go on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many people in this city. So he didn't know who they were. And some people were throwing rocks at him. But God said, you keep preaching because I have many people I'm going to say in this city. <clears throat> Isaiah 55, 11. I'll just read it. There's, it's a beautiful, if you back up, it's even, there's more. I'm going to read the whole thing. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish what I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for what I sent it. So that's, that's our, we don't have to worry about the results. We just have to put God's word, the gospel, out in front of everybody. And we have to pray for everybody. Especially those ones that if we ask him who we should pray for right now, today. I don't have time to pray for everybody today, except in general. Is there anybody I should pray for by name? Who comes to your mind? Okay. So, uh, let's pray for his power uh, and and let's thank him for giving us a part in this work of regeneration that he does. We have, it turns out, a critical 
part to play in it from him. Oh, let's pray. <clears throat> Dear God, thank you for this uh, time together this morning. Uh, thank you for your word and for your truth, and especially this morning for your gospel. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, show us who to pray for by name. Lord, that you would remind us, Lord, to pray that you would show us our part, how you would have us help personally uh, in sending the gospel out and seeing that it's taught everywhere. Uh, Lord, that we would um, trust you uh, and be uh, alert to opportunities that you might give us to explain it to a friend or to a child. Lord, we pray um, that your word would not return void or that, that those we share it with would believe, Lord, that you would open their eyes, that they would accept and not reject your great salvation. Lord, that they would trust Christ. Uh, Lord, I pray also for this service. Uh, Lord, this, that you would be uh, honored in this next hour, glorified, pleased with our worship. Uh, Lord, that you would reach our hearts with your word, that you would conform us to the image of your Son. And I pray all this with thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.